You know, one thing uh, that we can probably keep hoping for is for Taylor Hall to keep producing the way he is. I, I don't want to overlook the, the the goal that he scored early on in the first period. I mean, there was there was every reason in the world for Florida to to keep the momentum going from game two, considering the the injuries the Bruins have and and just kind of how fragile they may have appeared going into this game. And clearly, they they weren't that. That was just perception going into this game because they came out rock solid. But for Taylor Hall to get that goal early on. Uh, it just felt like it was just really, really important for this team and for him. And, and I, what I love about it is just, I just thought that they were way too, way too cute, way too finesse. They just weren't, they weren't simplifying their game. I felt like in Boston, at least not consistently enough. And, and oftentimes you see guys looking for the perfect shot, the perfect, you know, scoring chance. And that was not the perfect scoring chance for Taylor Hall. He just, he threw the puck at the net with a little bit, a little bit of a screen by the defenseman, but found found a way in. And so, just your opinions on on him, kind of kickstarting the team at least offensively tonight. Yeah, and I I loved that the way that goal started, and I think basically all their goals started with forwards helping out in the D zone. That shift, it's Hall and Frederick at one point were both below the goal line in the D zone helping out. They get the puck out, transition the other way, Orlov with the pass up to Hall. And like you said, you know, a little bit of screen using the defenseman, probably a shot line should have stopped, but you know, it, it's a good shot. It's a good chance to take. Um, but you know, their, their third and fourth goals started the same way. The Pasenak breakaway starts with Bertuzzi deep in the offensive zone in the corner, uh, getting a puck kind of shielding from traffic and, and moving it up to like It was Orlov again, who then makes the great pass to Pasternak. And then uh, the fourth goal from Felino that starts with him below his own goal line, helping out. He helps. I think it was Orlov. He helps him win a battle below the net, gets up to DeBrusque. He gets up to Hall and then it's back to Felino for the finish. Like that commitment in the defensive zone to, kill possessions and get the breakout going. Didn't see enough of that in the first two games. Like that's, you know, when we were talking about prop like problems for, for them, it was, they were spending too much time in their own zone. They weren't winning pucks back. Their breakouts and transition games just like wasn't there. And I thought you, you saw them doing that work um, in game three and they got rewarded with several goals coming directly from that work. Yeah. No, Taylor Hall was hunting pucks. He was picking off passes. He was using his speed to his advantage. He set up that Felino goal perfectly. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of have to be happy for Felino the way that he was able to play in this game, knowing that he, you know, for most of the day, probably thinking he wasn't going to play and coming and being a veteran and scoring that. But on the Hall goal, yeah, that's a goal Lions should have had. Um and now we see that it kind of seems like they're going to make a change in net. Uh, for game four, I feel like Lyon is out. Uh, they made the change partway. It was in the third period um, to switch goalies uh, back to Bobrovsky. So um, in a way, the Bruins chased him. In another way, you know, he just he didn't perform to – playoff standards and you see the advantage once again the way you did in game one that the Bruins have in net um 
And I think there was a quote that during the game, maybe it was Brick or Jack said, which was um, when the Bruins beat Bobrovsky when he played for Columbus back in 2019, uh, Tortorella said, it's simple. They had better goaltending. <laughs> and it kind of feels like that's where the Bruins are at in this series as well. So uh, I know we're supposed to be talking about Taylor Hall and I'll get, I'll, so I'll switch back to this, the line now. Frederick ends up centering this line um, with Hall and Felino on his sides. And Frederick has come such a long way because there's been uh, pre-seasons that we weren't even sure if he was on the depth chart, proving himself to be high enough to make the team. And now here he is moving from wing to center and making an impact and being a guy in the playoffs that you want to have on your team because he can fight guys. He can be physical. He can win battles in the corners and he can, you know, he can be versatile as well. So uh, credit to Frederick on that line as well. And the one line that I guess we kind of probably thought would be together was Bertuzzi with Zaka and Pasternak. That was the only line that really made sense to go to after we did. We th- there was a, that failed experiment with Krejci, and it turns out Krejci wasn't able to play anyway. So, what? How did you guys think that line played? The second line, the the second line, even though really I feel like that's your first line with Bertuzzi, Zaka, and um, Pasta. Well, better than they did with Krejci in that in that spot. Uh, that's I guess that's the easiest way to put it. Um, I thought that. Obviously, the the passionate goal in the third period is going to go a long way for his confidence. Obviously, he had the uh, he had the goal early on in Game One on the power play, but he was pretty quiet after that uh, for the rest of Game One and Game Two. So, I mean, I think that they've been they were really solid at the end of the regular season. I think they were they were pretty good tonight as well. I feel like the 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 the, the point on Trent Frederick. Had Krejci played tonight, I think it's pretty amazing that he would have been on a line with Brad Marchand, which obviously is because of certain circumstances, but nobody ever would have would have considered that a possibility. And I think it's a testament to to his play this year uh, overall that, okay, hearing that he's on a line with Brad Marchand wasn't the craziest thing in the world. Like he's earned that respect from from fans and, and from from the Bruins themselves. And speaking of Marchand, I th- we've talked a lot about him heading into the postseason about how he was in a, I mean, Bridget, you wrote about it, what it was like a 14, 15, 16 game goals, goal slump and whatnot. And he's, uh, he's been, he's had his handprints on every single game so far in the series, including the one that they lost where he, but he still scored the shorthanded goal. So two goals in the first two games and obviously directed the puck towards net for Coyle to tip that second goal tonight. So uh, Brad Marshan has been looking a lot more like himself, which is important too. Uh, Scott, the, Bertuzzi, Zaka, and, and Pashnak line at Bridget talks about. I'm not sure if you had any additional comments on them. Yeah, just that they were they were able to get into the offensive zone and, and create chances. Like the, those guys being creative and being able to make plays offensively was never a question. The problem in the first two games was they were just getting buried in their own zone. They weren't able to get out. They weren't able to get going in transition. They weren't able to set up offensively. Um, that today they were. And I think Zaka helps like maybe it's, you know, because Krejci is battling something. He's not himself. I, you know, who knows how much that's affected his play, but that line just was not winning possession. Um, 
I thought they did a better job of that tonight. And Pasternak ends up with seven shots on goal and 13 shot attempts. And, you, you know, wasn't you saw... it just one shot in game two, Scott? Uh, I know it was one five and five. So I might have been two total. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you saw Bertuzzi set him up for a couple chances. Pasternak, you know, could have easily had two or three goals this game. He gets the one, which, Brian, I agree with you like that. You know, it's probably a confidence booster to to see one go in. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought that line played pretty well and, and got better as the game went on. You know, I didn't think anyone was really great in the first period, as we already touched on. But um, as the game went on, that line, you know, I thought was was making an impact. I think they fixed what they needed in terms of the two parts that were together, Bertuzzi and Pasternak, they fixed what they needed to fix from game two, which were the turnovers. Um, there were some careless turnovers, especially in transition, and we covered it and not getting back on defense. And they that wasn't present in their game. The Bruins in general cleaned up in that area, which they hadn't looked like that the whole season. So um, to take that out of the game, Luckily, seemed to be pretty easy um, in game three. They they did not do that uh, as much. And I think both Bertuzzi and Pasnak look better in game three. Zaka has been good wherever you put him. So it almost feels like, and I, I wrote my article about Zaka um, after game one. And I I didn't say this, but I, I mean, it was like I alluded to it a little bit that Zaka is like, the closest thing to Bergeron and that he's, he's almost like having a second Bergeron. So like you put him in where Bergeron would be and he does well, you put him in on, on the, in the center with Pasnock, he does well. And he's, he's just such a good replacement at center. Now the problem with game three, even though you win is you needed to replace two centers. (laughs) So that's when Frederick comes in and him being versatile as well helps you out. Um, and if you think about a few weeks ago, did we think Zaka was going to be centering any of the lines or Frederick was going to be centering any of the lines? No. <laughs> um, and that's where you see, it's not just depth, it's versatility. Well, and to, to that point, I think long-term, this is a good opportunity to, to kind of discuss like the concern level. I think that people should have regarding the health of Bergeron and Krejci, because, don't forget, Krejci missed how many of the last 15 games of the year because of injury? Yeah, he, he missed the last six consecutively. Consecutively? Okay. So he missed the last Soreness. six. And... Soreness. Okay. It was, but I'm, I'm, for people who are just listening to the audio, I'm doing that in air quotes because that's what was told to us, but clearly it wasn't just soreness. Well, it, and by but, the way, at a certain point, soreness is due to an injury. So I guess they can both. Yeah, I, I mean, Mon- Montgomery did also say lingering injury at one point, And there was one game in there where Montgomery specified that it wasn't rest, that he actually couldn't play. So like a couple times he gave us a little bit. I think the final few games, he definitely tried to make it sound like it was just lingering soreness and we're just resting him up. But which, yeah, I mean, yeah. But I mean, certainly, but, it certainly seems like he was dealing with something and, you know, we don't know for sure that this is the same injury or issue or whatever, but it obviously would make sense. That would, that would add up. Well, but and even I, if, it, even if it isn't though, if it's something totally different, it, it's just, it's just 
more shit that he's dealing with. So I think I think for him to come back for two games and either the same thing's bothering him or something different, there's there's level for concern there. I know everybody's talking about Bergeron, but the two of them, if you don't have those guys, I know the team got to the to where they are this year in in the the top of the standings. But I mean, this team can't this team can't win a cup without having certainly both of them out, but let alone, you know, one. So this is big picture. Their health is a, is a big concern for me. And not only, not only big picture, but I had been telling people because people in conversation want to talk about, and this is, this is long-term. This isn't about this series. They want to, they want to ask, do you think Bergeron and Krejci are going to play one more year or are they not? And if you're having both of these guys at the end of the season, not holding up, and say Bergeron's is a concussion or is something that he's been dealing with his whole, like for, for uh, the last part of his career. I feel like if they both don't come back or they both have this like 50, 50, like kind of healthy, kind of not playoffs, it kind of tells you what you need to know about whether or not they're going to come back next season. And if they had say not suffered these injuries towards the end of the season felt good going through the playoffs, everything went hunky-dory exactly how they thought. We're talking about, oh, you know what? Maybe they'll come back next year. But as of right now, I feel like there's signs that this might really truly be the last time we see them play. So I, I hate to say that, and I wasn't saying this this last week. I was telling people they're having so much fun. Why not come back another year? They're they're you know Bergeron still can play at an NHL level. Krejci can still play at an NHL level. But this this last few days, I've seen something different, which is that they are showing signs of fatigue, and it it is a long season. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're watching them for the last time. And so it's, it's kind of crazy because if you're a Bruins fan and you're watching them in the playoffs right now, just kind of take it in because you don't know um, whether or not they are going to play again. Just like when Gronk and Brady played in their last um, playoffs with the Patriots, um, you kind of have to just take it in. Yeah. I mean, I think especially if they end up winning it all, it's like, everything has gone so right. And this has been such a deep team that, you know, battling stuff. It's like, it would be so hard to replicate that again, that I could definitely see them just going out on top and, you know, being like, this was, this was the perfect ending. Like there is nothing better than that. So um, if they lose, I mean, yeah, it, it absolutely comes down to like their health and how they, feel you know after a few weeks off after the season but like there's also going to be that tug of like we're so close it was you know so good um you know could could we do it again like yeah they're gonna lose some pieces but is there something there where they could come back again on cheap deals so i don't know you know we'll we'll see obviously we'll be talking about that a lot more um as far as you know the Short, short term, the here and now, like, yeah, I definitely think it, you need at least one of them. And I, you know, not that you really want to like pick, but I, I certainly think Bergeron's more important. Um, I, you know, I, I just like, I do still think they can, they could win the cup if like Bergeron's back. 
Krejci's not or his lingers and he's in and out because of how good Zaka has been in the middle. Um, I mean, just using like this series, like Zaka has been better than Krejci. And that's not to say that Krejci can't help or wouldn't be an asset if he, you know, comes back and is relatively healthy. Like obviously he, you know, he had a pretty good season. So, you know, like there's obviously still a good player there. Um, but at whatever percentage he was playing the first two games, that Krejci wasn't very effective. Like they would need, they would need a better version of Krejci than that. Um, you know, in Bergeron, it's in some way, like this sounds awful because like head injuries are the worst and can do the longest lasting damage. But in some ways like that would in this situation would almost be you know like a best case scenario if he were to get cleared of that like if that's what he's dealing with and he gets cleared of that in the next couple days and does return for game five because then at least in theory you know obviously he could get hit again and it could come up like that wouldn't linger he would be able to come back and play the way he's been playing whereas if it's something else if it's the back or a sports hernia or ribs or whatever, like that can linger and, and not fully heal. So then you do get into the concerns about, okay, what percentage is he? How effective is he? Do, do his minutes need to be limited? Like all that stuff. So uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Like getting up to one is huge. It buys you a little wiggle room. You're not, you know, facing desperation elimination in the next couple days at least. But yeah, at, at some point though, like you, you need those guys or you need at least one of them. Um, and that they might need it to win this series, depending on how the next couple games go. They're certainly going to need it moving forward as the competition gets tougher. Yeah. I mean, I don't care how good your depth is. You lose your top two centers. And I know, I know Zaka, his ceiling right now is, you wouldn't really, to your point, you wouldn't really miss Krejci all too much. But, but as as for Bergeron, like he, he, you can have all the depth in the world. You got you. You need to have your top two centers. You just have to have it. So uh, that's imperative. If they don't, they're just not going to get to where they want to go. So hopefully those those two can can find their way back into the lineup. It's obviously frustrating, I think, for everybody that the two guys you kind of were crossing your fingers for the most to stay healthy this year do until, you know, the end of March into April. And, and that's unfortunate.